Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 135. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComics.com. And with us is the highly acclaimed and celebrated comic creator of Sunrise Blossom, Nina Aberline. And Ebony. And, and, and <laughs> Ebony is right there, too. Um, and which is now live on Kickstarter right now. With mm-hmm. your, with your, uh, and congratulations, you've already hit your goal. In Which two hours. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. And we've so, become a Projects We Love uh, nice. on, on Kickstarter. And it's like... And you and so this was your first time using Kickstarter because previously, mm-hmm. uh, Volume 1, you used Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so kind of give people... And I know that you've... Uh, um, uh, it's been really exciting watching for, for those who are interested, you know, just you know, Google Google Nina's name. She's been uh, she's been having a lot of great interviews um, with a lot of other shows, and it's been amazing just to kind of like follow you, watching how your how the prog the you know how your progression of your Kickstarter has been going by watching the timeline of your interviews. It's been really fun watching that happen. Um, for for those folks that are kind of interested in kind of learning more about Sunrise Blossom, um, it's you got. It's amazing when people say, "Wow, you know what? This, this, you know, this story kind of reminds me of this. Reminds me of this. This story doesn't remind me of anything. Like this, for me, it truly feels like it's an original thing. Where it's about a harpy who is raised by owls, who then decides to kind of take an adventure. And uh, and uh, then did she get hit by the car before the owls or after the owls to get raised? Before by the, the owls. That's right. Okay. Right. So. Yeah, so it's fun. Like, and as, and as you said before, listen. If you are a fan of harpies, if you're a fan of birds, if you're a fan of like a manga-inspired stories, uh, this is this is gonna be the the, the perfect the, the perfect uh, story for you. Um, you can get right Ramen. now. Yes, and so you can you can buy volume. You know, volume one is also part of your Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and which is around two hundred plus pages. Correct. Yeah, the first volume is two hundred and twenty-three pages. Wow, that's amazing. And then volume two, which is coming out here, that people can have is a colorized version, which is at fifty-three mm-hmm. pages. Um, so, I kind of explained it, but I want to see it maybe from your point of view to to, to talk about what um, you know, what Sunrise Blossom, what Sunrise Blossom is, and what what people can expect from the story. So, um, as you mentioned, if you like big birds, if you like. <laughs> If you like drama and if you like girls kissing, then Sunrise Blossom is definitely the type of content you might enjoy. So Sunrise Blossom uh, is a coming-of-age story that focuses on Ivy, a young falcon harpy abandoned... Oh, I think your cat unplugged your mic again. Oh, it was the cat again. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, she's a good... (laughs) <laughs> she keeps bumping into my cables. So, um, while traveling with her sister to learn about human culture, uh, Ivy has an argument with her and they are separated until she is picked up by a human woman, Violet, who helps her discover herself and bloom into womanhood. But it's only after a dramatic turn of events that Ivy discovers, uh, very dramatic, by the way, no spoilers, <laughs> but it's very dramatic. Only after that incredibly dramatic and traumatic, sadly, 
Turn of events, Ivy discovers her romantic feelings for her human companion. And after the dramatic ending of Volume 1, Ivy spends some time with a kind, old, fatherly man. But when his real daughter shows up, it's time for Ivy to return to her love interest. And you had... And so, so looking at this, I wanted to kind of, uh, you know, talk to you a bit about, and we can, well, I want to get into first also just, you know, uh, afters to kind of get into uh, the Kickstarter and, and what the, you know, the, your different tiers that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to kind of first talk to you about just from the comic creator perspective, mm-hmm. what's your process? Like, I love, I love your, the, the style on here. I love how you, you kind of overlap. Um, almost if it, it looks as though it's like, you know, like some found backgrounds along with, you know, on, on, on top of some, uh, some different patterns and whatnot. Is this, are you a pen and pencil you know, on paper person? Is it all digital? Is it a little bit of both? How does that work? Uh, the comic itself is exclusively done in digital. Okay. However, uh, the scripting and the storyboard process, I always do on paper. Like a, I've got a little notebook for it in which I, let's see if I got an example here. I write the script okay. in pencil Great. and then I do the storyboards in pencil. Oh, wow. Mostly because um, doing this on paper, because it's the most, um, you know, like thought wrenching process of creation, doing it on paper like helps me think better and put my thoughts down uh, better. Uh, and then whenever I get to, you know, the actual creation part um, of the process, you know, when I get on. And so when I get to the computer and I open uh, my drawing program, pretty much like I, I turn my brain off and like I'm able to do everything kind of like uh, you know, I can like listen to podcasts, chat with, with people. I like do everything with like pr- pretty much with, with my brain turned off because the, the scripting and the storyboarding, uh, you know, like the phase in which I um, pick the, the panel shot, the point of view, whether it's like a headshot, full body, uh, knee shot from behind, you know, and, and all the, the, the different composition stuff uh, and the lettering and stuff. I, I choose all of that in the storyboards. So then normally, uh, because my comic, uh, before being a printed comic, it's always a webtoon comic. Mm. And so also when it comes to the type, uh, so the creation and the process of the comic, it's a lot more similar to webtoon comics than most printed comics. So like, for example, uh, for the backgrounds, I mostly use um, 3D assets. Okay. Uh, or sometimes, I like, for example, here, for example, I recycle panels, uh, you know, maybe with a zoom in or a small change here and there, because the process, the creation process is a lot faster mm. uh, that way. You know, it's, it's a lot of like little uh, tidbits here and there to like make a story effective, but like faster to produce because on webtoons, sadly, often enough, it's a matter of quantity over quality okay so i'm not saying that the quality is bad uh at all but because also of the type of competition that there is on that platform often it's important to be able to give out as much uh, as possible uh as quickly as possible 
mm. also. And so like, for example, here uh, for the backgrounds, mostly I use 3D assets, but I don't like just use the crude, uh, you know, like 3D background or whatever. I always photo manipulate it, draw on top of it, uh, add uh, all the necessary details. And it's mostly something to change time. Right. Like I have studied perspective. I know how perspective works, which is also why I'm able to make the characters fit normally <laughs> when I can uh, into the certain uh, perspectives. And so like uh, after doing the, the storyboards often enough, like the first thing that I do is that I prepare the background files. Then I move over to Clip Studio Paint. I sketch uh, on top of those. Okay. I let the sketch rest for a day or two normally. And this is like, a, this is super important for absolutely anyone to always let the sketch rest wow, so that the okay. next day, like you can look at it with fresh eyes. Uh, and if there are any mistakes that you didn't notice before, then you can fix them. And then I do the line art, coloring, rendering, and then I move on to the next page. Okay. That was gonna be my next question to use Clip Studio Paint or Procreate or Photoshop. So you're well, pretty Clip much- Clip Studio Paint Clip Studio all Paint. the way, yes. It's just, we, yeah, other artists I've talked to, they're just really, they're, they, there's no indifference about it. Like I've ever met of any, I've never met anybody who's like Clip Studio Paint is like, yeah, it's fine. I'll just do it, but uh, I'll do anything. So but they'll be like, yeah, Clip Studio Paint, do not so use anything else. <laughs> it's got like everything you would ever need from a drawing program. And like, it, it's also like pretty damn cheap compared, right. you know, considering everything it's got, like the, the full version of the, the regular Clip Studio Paint, which is the Clip Studio Paint uh, Pro is something, normally something like $40, right. but they've got like discounts all the time. And on desktop, it's a one-time subscription. Oh, wow. So like I bought my Clip Studio Paint for like $20 four years ago and with that, I also get like all the updates for free and I haven't spent a single cent on it since. And it's the best drawing program I've ever had because, you know, uh, aside from the amazing comic uh, tools, comic creation tools, the amazing lettering tools, it has the, 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 the balloons, uh, speech balloon, the text uh, words, sorry, balloons uh, tools, the, the assets, the extra assets that it has, the asset store, which is like crowd, which is open source. It's, it's right. got pretty much everything. You can even freaking animate uh, on the thing. And really? yeah, and it's also got like a 3D modeling. It is, it's got everything and it's the best by and far. So, and so when you do that, are you using like a, a tablet feature, like a Wacom type thing or using mouse or how do you, what do you use I've for? I've got my Cintiq tablet. Oh, okay, all right. Which I slaved an entire summer for and it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, like I literally spent an entire summer just for that goddamn thing and it was right. worth it. <laughs> do you have, so, so when you sit down and you kind of draw, how long does it take, as you kind of mentioned, is that it's, there? there's a point where you kind of have to, you know, uh, keep keep the production level going, is how quickly do you, um, from like a, a physical page, so like a how the webtoon works, like a uh, pages work, how how much of a buffer do you have and how how much does it take to you to, how long does it take to make a page for you now? 
Well, normally um, when I storyboard, I storyboard in traditional format, okay. you know, like a regular comic page, mostly yeah. because that way when I prepare the comic for print, then I've already got, I've already got the storyboards uh, and when I do the comic itself in the webtoon format, I just keep the shapes of the panels and like roughly the same kind of ratio as in the storyboard so that it's okay. easier to put them together afterwards. And normally, on average, a page with maybe four or five panels, it might take me somewhere between three and eight hours, wow. I think. Okay. And I normally do maybe two, uh, maybe even three pages, uh, yeah, roughly around two pages a week on average, considering, you know, also the day job and stuff like that and i do it like when i can in right. my extra time so on average maybe two sometimes three or more depending on the period maybe i'm on vacation i've got nothing to do so i can sorry so i can produce more so on average maybe two or three pages a week that's right because you're a teacher as a day job mm -hmm. correct yeah and how do you so the, i guess the other question is that you know people are you know be watching or listening it's like hey nina this is great you know what I got a day job too. I don't have the time. How do you able to find the time? Give me some tips. How do I? How do I take the time to make sure that I can uh, produce produce work as well? Well, um, when I um, started the the job that I have now, I made it very clear to my employer that I would not be able to work more than part time hmm. because being able to balance both comic work and regular day work for me was very important. So technically I'm working part-time with two different schools, so I'm almost working full-time technically, and I still struggle to make ends meet, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but uh, aside from making my boundaries very clear uh, mm. with, with my employer and also making it very clear from before I signed the contract, like saying, hey, it's okay for me to work on Saturdays, do know that sometimes I have conventions and those are on the weekends and I can't come on Saturday those days. Right. And the employee was like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. That's all right. It says just every once in a while, that's okay. So making boundaries uh, with my employer very clear was a very important first step uh, for me. And it was it was awesome because my, my boss is like very fond of my comics as well. <laughs> uh, so, so that's good. Um, then uh it's mostly a matter of managing uh schedule pretty much like i i keep in mind you know like deadlines the that i have and i try to fit in as much as i can and produce whenever i'm not working or uh, unless i'm dead tired and normally regarding buffer uh at least like on the the webtoons where i publish roughly every two weeks or so buffer wise I try to keep around four episodes of Buffer, okay, which roughly translates to maybe 25 pages or wow. so. Wow, okay. And one episode maybe contains between 15 and 20 panels, so two, three pages. No, th no sorry, three or four pages, sometimes okay. five or six, depending on the amount of panels in each page. Because you because you take what you do for the webtoons and you kind of turn it into you have the mm -hmm. physical copies, do you feel constrained or it's or you, you enjoy the creativity of fitting 
in your physical book into those quote unquote chapters as, as you set them up, uh, episodes as you set them up um, through webtoons? Well, it, it was a little bit difficult at first, mostly because mm. I wasn't used to it. But because uh, I do my storyboards in traditional format, uh, it's a lot easier for me to format the webtoon version into the, the print. And so then, uh, you know, like I, I normally do the pages themselves in the vertical webtoon format and I keep the panel sizes and ratio roughly the same as in the storyboards so that later when I am preparing them for the printed version, it's mostly like uh, copy paste into the, the new panels and maybe reshape them a little bit mm -hmm. uh, if necessary. And it's not very time consuming, like being formatting the, the 53 pages uh, for volume two maybe took me 16 hours. Wow. Okay. While formatting volume one took so long. <laughs> it was so exhausting. And then I had to translate it to Italian and it was so exhausting, but it's done. And I'm so happy that, that I'm finally over uh, with that. And so, this one is already all formatted and all translated. So as soon as the campaign ends and as soon as the funds reach my bank account, I'll be able to send them to print and ship them immediately. So my, so with, with that point of the, the translation piece, as you mentioned, I was curious, mm -hmm. I was curious to ask you, we have, you know, a lot of my friends who would say, hey, listen, if you're going to watch anime, watch subtitled because you're watching the dub, you lose something in the translation. At least in a train, at least you know, subtitled, you can. It, it's the closest you have mm -hmm. that. So, this. So, I guess my question for you is the same when it comes to comic books. When you translate it into Italian, is there some compromise that you that happens with the story or the script, or do you feel that you're able to have a pretty uh, a pretty good clear translation between both? Well, story-wise, um, nothing really changed at all. Okay. The translation itself was pretty faithful, hmm. uh, and like nothing, there were no big big changes at all. The biggest change, which was a little bit, uh, was a little bit sad, at least for me to do, uh, was that um, I had to delete an Easter egg in Italian translation because it was an Easter egg that didn't quite translate. Uh, okay. Because um, in her owl family, the main character, Ivy, uh, has a little family nickname and her mother calls her Blossom. Her little sister, her owl sister, uh, their, their mother and their family calls her Boobles, okay. similar to Bubbles. And their youngest brother is called Buttercup. Okay. So you've got Blossom, Blossom, uh, bubbles and Buttercup, oh. <laughs> and so you've got the Powerpuff Girls. Right, yeah. <laughs> but that's something that I couldn't really translate in Italian because they've got completely different names uh, in in the Italian version of the Powerpuff Girls. So something that I couldn't really translate. But aside from that, is is pretty faithful. Okay, so the other so my my next question. I'm really curious to to ask you about. Uh, the world building aspects mm -hmm. of this. Please don't ask me about their cloaca. <laughs> um, do you, so when you, when you kind of, when it, cause so uh, if, if I remember correctly, you said in a previous interview that 
the the idea behind this was a class project you had about mm-hmm. um, about uh, a harpy getting hit by a car and 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 did you and then you and you kind of said listen I want to write more about this after this class project so I really like this story I like this idea did you kind of create from like a world building world world building perspective did you is this it takes place in a in a you know our world or is it a kind of like a parallel world or how did you kind of create the environment in the uh, in uh, the actual um, yeah the, the setting of your your comic well there was a lot of work involved but uh, I didn't want to be the kind of creator that spends like ten years <laughs> working on world building and then like create three pages of the comic and be like, oh, my comic's awesome because I've been working on it for 10 years. And I've seen that happen (laughs) so often. Just because you've been brainstorming the world building for 10 years doesn't mean the comic itself is 10 years old. You've only got three pages out. Uh, But I didn't want it to be that. But I I did think about the world building um, a lot. But I didn't want to like info dump the world building. So even in the comic itself, it's mostly something that is revealed little by little uh, through, you know, small nuances present uh, in the story, uh, you know, small tidbits, you know, small mentions of their, their, their culture, uh, how they are, they are grown, uh, and, you know, like small things uh, like that, and also... Like there is like an introduction, uh, a brief introduction uh, chapter that presents the world a little bit, but I did not want to info dump uh, at all. Mm. And even like in the second volume, we learn even more about the world. And in the third volume, uh, which I've been working on uh, the past couple of days, we'll be learning even more. And it's that gradual understanding of the world that it feels a little bit more natural because the world in which it takes place is very similar to ours, pretty much. So it's, it's, it's similar to a parallel universe. But because the existence of these half-animal creatures is not really known to the, the general public, it may as well even be our world mm. kind, of, kind of storytelling, uh, kind of setting, sorry. And sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> But, but, but yeah, um, the, the world building is introduced gradually. And so if you're more interested, f- f- everyone feel free to ask questions as long as you don't ask questions about why uh, bird people have memories. Uh, I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the harpies, yeah, I mean, harpies have memories. So, right? Yeah. Yeah, but they're birds. Like, right. do they feed their babies? milk or do they barf in their mouths i don't know stop asking <laughs> so so i'm also kind of curious too is like you what, what i loved about it pre when you your pre-launch stuff was mm-hmm. uh, probably some of the best that i've seen oh, like it was you. so fun to watch you, you your memes were hilarious yeah i've actually posted some of the best ones at the bottom of my kickstarter uh, kickstarter page <laughs> So, I mean, it was so fun to watch you post these post these memes that were reminiscent or just like you know inspired by um, 
in, in, inspired by your uh, just standard standard memes that you would see around here. So I wanted to get to <laughs> where are they? You said near the bottom of the page. So mm -hmm. please, yeah, right here. Here's one your your meme gallery here. Um, the, you know the car going <laughs> off. I like this one. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, that one was actually based on a true story, but I go, I won't get into it much because it makes right. my blood boil. I know. I remember you said it was, I think it was the Indie Vault. Um, yeah, I mentioned it on Indie Vault. Yeah. 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 Um, no, it's been, yeah, it's so funny. I love, I love the memes that you did that were kind of like, that were, that were oh, like that. You. It was fun. Um, so let's let's talk a bit about too. Is just what what can people expect on your mm -hmm. um, on on your tier levels? Okay. Uh, so you get your start. You got your your basic. You know, like your digital PDF mm -hmm. for five euros, which is a great deal. I mean, if you do the, do the fifty three pages, that's that's a that's an amazing that's an amazing deal right there. That mm -hmm. People can get. Thank you. Uh, and then plus two, you get your volume. Then you get your 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 ten euro pledge with volume one and two digital PDF. Which again, as we said earlier, two hundred twenty six pages on volume yeah, one. Yeah, uh, volume one plus volume two, it's almost three hundred pages. Yeah, for ten euros, that's all. Yeah, graphic novel. That's that's a really good deal on that. And you had on here, um, and I love that you kind of split it up for people who are the. Uh, who, who might be a currency challenge. Yeah, and it's, a, it's an estimate of the, the currency exchange. So it right. might be a few cents more, it might be a few cents less, but it's an estimate. Right. So when it came down to, I wanted to ask you this too, with the, with the issues of shipping that people are seeing and printing, mm -hmm. um, were you able to kind of balance out about what your expectations were on, um, on, on the cost of, of printing because of the... Uh, because of the uh, shipping challenges? Well, luckily, I didn't really have uh, any shipping challenges because so even uh, if you are in the US and you are buying in the US, the shipping is much less than the actual books themselves. Wow. Because uh, I am shipping uh, through the S to the US, at least I am shipping through Critical Blast. Okay. So pretty much what I'm doing is that I am sending all the copies that were purchased uh, from the U.S. to him with a list of the backers and their addresses and what they ordered. And then he, from his house, ships them individually in the United States. Oh, uh, and so idea. that way, the, the entire shipping process is not only safer because it can actually be, be tracked a lot right. easier. Uh, it is also faster because it only goes through customs once. And it is a lot cheaper because shipping one package to the U.S. and then from the U.S. shipping them all individually is a lot cheaper than me sending them all to the U.S. Uh, individually. Oh, that's a great idea. And, and I did that for volume one and it was wonderful. Wow. And, and so you're doing that to the U.S., but like say like uh, Canada, are they shipping it from the U.S. to no, Canada? To the Canada, no. no. But right. even to Canada, the shipping isn't that much more expensive. Okay. So uh, to the U.S., shipping is, and I think I've gotten it written somewhere here. Uh, to the U.S., shipping is 
uh, 13 euros, which is roughly $14.50. Right. Uh, shipping to the United Kingdom is also 13 euros, which is roughly £10.50. Shipping to the rest of the European Union is 10 euros, Italy 2 euros. And shipping to the rest of the world, uh, and this is for the basic uh, mm. tiers, so not for like the 10 page, uh, sorry, the 10 volume super heavy <laughs> tiers. Uh, shipping to the rest of the world is 20 euros. So considering that volume one plus two is 35 euros, or if you want to get like the deluxe tier, which also has like all the prints and bookmarks and stuff, it's still like a lot cheaper than the books themselves, which is good. Right. And, and, and so, and, and so the, basically it was the same kind of deal what you did with your 35 euro side pledge with like the volume one and two, same mm -hmm. thing. You're shipping them all straight to us for, mm -hmm. okay. All right. So the other cool thing about this too, when you look at this, it says seven backers on your volume one and volume two. That means you have seven new readers. Mm -hmm. Minimum, because there's also people who got the deluxe the digital. package, oh, the deluxe which package has too. like the volume one, volume two, uh, all the prints uh, and the bookmark. Okay. All right. Uh, mm -hmm. And those are all new. And okay. of course, even if you're not new, uh, and you want to you know that the extra prints and volume two, uh, they're all available. All the extra stuff is available uh, as add-ons. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then you, like you said, you have the deluxe package, which actually comes mm -hmm. with prints, um, cover prints, a wedding, Halloween print, um, bookmarks, summer fun print. And I think we saw those above. Yeah. Correct? Those are up, up above. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Right up here too. That's really, and, and so, and we, you're, You've reached your second or first? First stretch goal so far. Okay. I am very halfway to the second because it's currently 225% uh, uh, backed, uh, okay. funded, if I remember correctly. Let me open it real quick. Yeah, and it was it was like right before this it was something like two hundred and twenty five percent back, so it's wow. doing pretty good. And this is other uh, uh, right here the volume your your retail tier for a hundred mm -hmm. euros, you get ten copies. Mm hmm. Which is uh, roughly a thirty percent discount on what it would be compared to getting uh, ten copies individually. So instead of like uh, for the second volume, uh, instead of um, paying 150 euros for 10 copies, it would be 100. Right. And I think it's a similar discount for the retail tier for volume one plus volume two. Right. Because right here, if you're looking at it, it's about $260 or so mm -hmm. with if you get the volume one, volume two retail tier mm -hmm. for 10 copies. So that equals out to volume one and volume two wholesale is about $26. Compare that to if you're going to buy them straight out on yourself, it's going to be $40. Mm -hmm. So it is, yeah, you're saving. It's like a, basically it's cut off by about a third. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. I mean, this is, I mean, as I say, congratulations on hitting that goal so far. That's, Thank you. Um, it's what, how was it like, and I know that you said it before, the, your first volume one was Indiegogo. Mm -hmm. You decided to do volume two. Um, it's a little bit different. And the, the, the challenge that you saw with Indiegogo is that some people tried to pay and they couldn't 
It wasn't mm-hmm. working. Um, and because what, their cards were declined so many times, they just lost interest. Right. Now, what were some... So we, we know why, you know, just listening, so we know why you decided to do Kickstarter mm-hmm. instead of Indiegogo. So my question for you is, when you did Volume 1, why did you decide to do Indiegogo first and not Kickstarter? Because... Um, well, I think it was mostly because my friend Mike that we saw uh, at the beginning yeah. who had more crowdfunding experience uh, than I did, uh, especially at the time, kind of coached me through the process because I had absolutely zero experience crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. And he kind of like threw me a net and brought me into uh, his own network, uh, you know, of like the, the crowdfunding people. And so like with the first volume, like the first shows uh, that I did, online cons and things like that were mostly thanks to him. And because he was also more familiar with Indiegogo and I didn't want to stray, you know, because it was my very first time, I wanted to do something that was a little bit more familiar. Mm. And so I went with Indiegogo the first time. Um, Also because a couple of years prior, uh, when I was in comic school, and this was maybe three, four years ago at this point, our marketing teacher said that at the time, Indiegogo was a little bit better for crowdfunding comics because Kickstarter had a bigger focus on, you know, like tech stuff and Mm. developing new tools and didn't have as much uh, of a focus on comics compared to Indiegogo. And so because it it felt a little bit safer, especially for our first experience. Oh, okay. All right. But there were... Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. But there were a few things that Indiegogo had uh, that I loved that Kickstarter doesn't have. First of all, the, the pre-launch page, because with Kickst- uh, with Indiegogo, sorry, on the pre-launch page, you could share the trailer, you could share promotional images, uh, you could share you know, lots of text to, for, so people know what to expect. With Kickstarter, you've got an image and that's it. <laughs> It's like, how can I get people to subscribe to this if they don't even know what to expect? Which right. is like the whole reason, uh, which actually might even have been good because it's the whole reason why I started doing promotional memes and, and stuff like that. So like, if you like this meme, this is the pre-launch page. Go check it out. <laughs> and and so did you have when you... Uh, how did you kind of build up that, that, that from that marketing piece to that? Like how... How much of a challenge, or how much of how much did you enjoy kind of building up the hype? Be uh, pre Kickstarter. Uh, I mean, uh, I was already rather used to like marketing and networking because it's it's also important also with the web comic on 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 the webtoons platform to market, advertise it, promote it uh, in places, and so I was already like a bit familiar with how to do it uh but with the crowdfunding campaign like i had to be a lot more aggressive with it i guess and like even now these days like while the campaign is active uh, i'm doing this sort of like social media campaign where like every day uh like every new day on the campaign uh i share one page of the comic so like day one page one currently like i don't know 100 percent funded and so, like, I put that, like, on one of the pages. Uh, and, like, at the bottom, I put, like, the Kickstarter logo, uh, my comics logo. Uh, and then, like, I share that 
on uh, Instagram stories, Instagram posts, uh, various subreddits, Twitter, uh, my Facebook page, my personal Facebook, a million, like at least 50 different Facebook groups. Right. Uh, and like I do that like every single day. And it, it's also like there's a lot of trial and error. Uh, that went through that like with the first campaign like when promoting the campaign itself I tried doing like little promotional uh, sketches you know some artwork uh, with the two main characters because I thought yeah maybe people will like that big mistake because huh. <laughs> it was like a lot of work for con considerably little payout uh -huh. but uh, I I'm really like the the things that I'm doing now where every day I share like a new page uh, of the comic because like people and, and I've seen this all, all across various platforms people show a little bit of interest and then because I shared on the same platforms if they see the next page the day after they're a little bit more intrigued and if they see another page you know in the same group the day after that it's like oh this is interesting and I, I like I've seen several uh, I've had several pe different people be like oh this is actually pretty cool like uh where is the link? Even though the link is in the post, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's like considerably like a lot less effort than like drawing a new piece of uh, of art. Mm -hmm. And it's it's like showing the people what they get. <laughs> and you're always going to invariably have the people who will say after it's over, like, oh, I wish I knew about this. <laughs> well, for that, no problem, because even though Kickstarter does not have an in-demand store the same way Indiegogo has, it's okay. Because <laughs> I am setting up an Etsy uh, by the time that the Kickstarter uh, is over. So like before all the, 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 the orders are fulfilled, uh, if the Kickstarter is over, people can buy it over from Etsy. Oh, the only thing would be that after like the first batch like to the United States is sent, uh, shipping would be more expensive. Right. Because yeah. then I would have to like ship them individually. Yeah. But that's a that's a good point. I'm like I'm wondering just because of it's you know the the comic creator world where it's mm -hmm. it's there's so many people but it's also such a small world itself. It's it's I I'm just wondering would that make sense to like say, like connect with some, like you know a you know, a, a printer through, a, you know, an, a, an American peer and then vice versa, they would connect with you through, a, you know, maybe a, a, a printing place, you know, in, in the European Union or Italy to, to have it be, hey, when I do my campaign, can I, you know, you print it for me and then I can print whatever you need from on my side or something. That could work, but... The only issue that I would have with that is that if I have my stuff printed in the U.S., I can't proofread it. Right. Uh, and like, which is like something that for me is very important because like mm. uh, there's also like different formats. Like in the U.S., the standard format is different than the standard oh, right. formats in okay. Europe. Yeah. So like if, if I send them the files that I have, they might like cut off pieces or maybe the, the page itself will be like too small with like a lot of white space right. around it and it might not quite fit. And if it's printed over there, uh, then I wouldn't be able to, to proofread it, which is why um, printing it here and sending like one big box over there is, all, is cheaper uh, right. a bit and more trustworthy. But also, I have an amazing printing company that is surprisingly cheap. But don't tell them they're cheap because they might raise their prices. They're cheap. <laughs> they're very cheap, and and they're um, and 
and fast and they do really good quality work. Mm -hmm. Like when I was comparing printing prices with many of my uh, comic creator friends, uh, like they tell me stuff like, oh, I spent like uh, 10 euros a volume printing my comic. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Dude, that's retail price. Why are you getting it printed for that kind of price? Like my <laughs> printer does the same job even better for like two euros a volume or right. something like that. Um, yeah, they're in the chat, and they said they're going to raise their prices. No, I'm kidding. They're, they're kidding. <laughs> 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 so, so that was the reason why you went from Indiegogo to to Kickstarter, and, mm -hmm. and why you and, and why you're sticking with Kickstarter right now. Um, so, my my next question for you too is like from Volume One to Volume Two is what was the what was the decision on on your part to decide to go from from grayscale to color. Well, uh, volume one, um, there was a lot of experimenting that I did at the beginning of volume one. And so there's a big slice of volume one that is entirely in black and white or, you know, like with gray, right. pretty much, you know, to, to like give it uh, some scaling. And it wasn't until like almost halfway through volume one that I actually started creating the pages in color. And so printing volume one uh, half and half would have been crazy expensive because it would technically count as color. Hmm. And going back and coloring like the first 120, 130 pages would have been crazy amount of work. Uh, also uh, considering that uh, my art itself improved a lot. It's like even in volume one itself, like just to give an example, uh, this is the beginning of volume one. Right. And this is near the end of okay. volume one. Like right. there is considerable growth and mm. coloring pages that are kind of subpar compared to what the current level is, is like super frustrating, like, <sighs> ugh. And so I uh, cost, because of the cost and because of all those other reasons, uh, I decided to do volume one in grayscale, uh, but volume two, I decided to do it shorter than volume one because that way uh, I would also be able to like maintain costs, you know, like manageable, but still print something that is like a lot better. Right. So because of, you know, like the art scale improvement and because of the color, volume one's quality is compared to volume one. Right. And so do you have, um, so do you, do you have, is this, a, is this a fixed story do you, or is this going to be an ongoing series? Like you say, all right, I'm just going to do five volumes. We're going to do 10 volumes. Is there a, do you have a, a, like an entire story arc in mind that you're going to say, all right, this is the end? I did, but then <laughs> I, I keep having ideas for new story arcs that I keep planting in, <laughs> uh, that which, which are like pretty good because they like help with the character's development and it helps... Uh, make the characters' relationships uh, more interesting, and it helps make uh, the world building more consistent and more more interesting. So I keep adding arcs uh, here and there, uh, which does is does start to give it a more like you know a series with several arcs feel, but it will have an ending. Like mm. currently, I don't think uh, it will have more than maybe three seasons. Okay. But uh, I might be wrong. <laughs> we'll see when the time comes. And do you have 
is it always good? Is it follow Ivy or are you gonna, is it going to branch off into different um, protagonists? Well, Ivy is the protagonist right. um, of the series. Uh, I may have uh, small spin-offs, maybe focusing on other characters or, uh, or even like other aspects, uh, maybe even in the same world. Uh, like I did have once uh, a little 10-page one-shot uh, that is set like in the same world in which um, there was a woman uh, who like feeds a cat in, in an alley uh, and then you know she goes and minds her own business goes to work and on her way back from work she is mugged but the cat turns into you know like half human and like mm. claws the, the guy's face and then the woman brings the cat home you know, to show her gratitude and then they live happily ever after <laughs> pretty much like 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 well it was like a cute little 10 page uh, one right. shot that I was working on mostly to you know, like take a break from right. the comic occasionally and work on, on, on something else. Yeah. Uh, it's not finished. I do like have all the storyboards done and a couple of pages done, but it's mostly like a side project, uh, you know, like when I want to take a breather. Right. That's awesome. Um, so we're getting close to the hour already, Nina. Ooh. So yeah, it was, it was quick. So um, if people want to, and I want to also just also plug your your, your Patreon mm -hmm. page. Um, what can people expect if they're you know uh, curious about supporting you? Um, what would be the what would be some of the the perks they would get on the Patreon? Well, uh, most of my patrons are fifteen dollar pledges, so they're Phoenix patrons. Oh wow! Uh, and that's because um, all my patrons from ten dollars up receive monthly commissions with their pledge. Oh wow! And so because uh, I'm very busy with the uh, comic and work, my commissions are closed most of the time, uh, but they're always open uh, through Patreon. And because, you know, it's like small morsels, it's more manageable for me and more financially manageable for them. Okay. So like in a, in a few, in a handful of months, they're able to get like a fully rendered, beautiful illustration. But because they're only spending like $15 a month, uh, it's not like eating into uh, their bank account. And also for me, because I'm only doing $15 worth a month, right. uh, then it's like not this overwhelming commission uh, that I have to work on. And also because of this perk, most of my patrons haven't even read my comic. <laughs> they just do it because um, I'm kind of well known in the Monster Girl art community. Right. And so I've got a handful, uh, like a whole bunch of like different uh, illustrations, you know, with like uh, harpies or like snake girls, slime girls, uh, stuff like that. And people like those. And so they, they back my patron to get like their own. You get their own character design. Yeah. Wow. That's a good, yeah. That, that, that is very economical on their mm -hmm. part too. Yeah. Wow. And then also too, the other good spot people, because your link tree kind of has... It's got everything. It's got everything right there. Yeah, yeah. That you're on there, and and so when you your your Twitch, are you just mm -hmm. doing live stream drawing, or are you playing video games on that, or what are you doing? Uh, mostly drawing, because okay. uh, I, I do play video games sometimes, but it's mostly playing Fortnite on the PlayStation. <laughs> but like, I don't really want to stream that because when I do play video games, I normally don't play more than 20 minutes at a time because it's right. mostly something that I do to de-stress and not something that I do for like, I don't know, two, three, four hours at a time. But right. drawing, yes. So I yeah. mostly stream art. Okay. And I've been streaming um, lately almost every day uh, unless I, I have shows and interviews and promotional stuff to do. 
uh, you know, like, and I'm also, I've also been using Twitch as like a medium to, you know, show art and promote uh, both my comic and the Patreon uh, and everything. And I've only started uh, this month and it's doing pretty okay so far. Oh, good. All right. And you got your Facebook page, like I say, you know, mm -hmm. so in the show notes uh, for those that are listening to this um, or those that are going to be watching this, um, uh, we will put we will put Nina's link tree um, in the show notes and in the in the description, too. So great. Well, thank you so much, Nina. And like I said, congratulations again on hitting your um, hit you. your goal and come back on when you want when volume three is yeah. ready to go. Yeah, I'll definitely hit you up. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. That's your and uh, your your is that would you consider that a crown or a, what would you call it? It's a flower crown, it's I a guess. Flower crown, okay. Mm -hmm. All right, that's very sunrise blossom esque, right? It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs>